And in this corner, weighing in at a set of blueberries, the standard low-fat Republican, grand old Republican, who refuses to fight the Democrats the way they fight us, Governor Goofball. And in this corner, weighing in at a set of Vidalia onions, the teller of truth, the slayer of Democrats. Well, hello out there, America, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. You're listening to the really real deal. We want to say welcome to the program. And I guess I also have to say, folks, Happy New Year. <laughs> I know it's January 17th. And, uh, and of course, by the time uh, many of you uh, hear this program, we're recording it live uh, for our live audience, but it it goes out in uh and today is Friday the 17th, but uh, if you're in Lynchburg, it's Saturday the 18th. If you're in Phoenix, Arizona, it's Sunday the 19th. If you're on WRVA in Richmond, our flagship station, it's Sunday the 19th. But still, Happy New Year to you guys, uh, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, along with my sweet and wonderful wife, Mrs. Hatchet. Uh, we just got back from, from touring uh, Europe. Well, not all of Europe, but uh, basically uh, the United Kingdom. Yeah, went into Amsterdam from there, uh, went to Dublin. Uh, from Dublin, went to uh, Belfast. From Belfast, went to Scotland. Oh, Edinburgh. Oh, just, I mean, well, it's not just the whole thing. It was just absolutely wonderful. Uh, uh, left Scotland, uh, went to England, uh, York, uh, we, I mean, they still have the original wall, one of, uh, I think, one of two cities uh, in England where the original wall and, you know, folks try to tell Trump walls don't work. I mean, even the Pope uh, whines about walls. The Pope lives behind a wall and his wall is like a like a mountain, the height of a mountain almost. And, um, and of course, you know, the Pope certainly should be uh, familiar with uh, the book of Nehemiah. I mean, after all, he is the Pope, right? <laughs> so God's word, the book of Nehemiah, uh, you know, talks about the wall. I mean, it says that when uh, when 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 Tobias uh, Sandbat, let me get it right now. When uh, yeah, because see, if I jumble up my um, my Bible verses when I get home, I'm gonna hear it from Mrs. Hatchet. <laughs> so and uh, and I don't have that pulled up in front of me, but I remember it when Samballat, Tobias, and the Arabians. It says when they heard, okay, not when they saw the walls being repaired and rebuilt, when they heard that Nehemiah intended to go and repair the walls. This is what the word of God says. Book of Nehemiah chapter four. Look it up yourself. It says they were wroth with anger and sought to hinder it. Okay. And so enough about walls because we got so much jam packed program today, folks. And a lot of, a lot of Bible study to back up everything I say. Okay. Uh, Because we got the big gun rally coming up. We've got, uh, of course, uh, Martin Luther King celebration Monday. Okay, although you know the fifteenth was his actual birthday, and if you go to my uh, Facebook page, 
you will see an or oh, actually no, better yet, go to my go to our website, thereallyrealdeal.com and I, I wrote an article. Actually, I wrote this article I think 3 years ago about Dr. King. Uh it's titled When Anniversaries Collide because I what I basically do is I take the anniversary of the birth of the late great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the anniversary of the letter written by Emile Zola Jacques Okay, and I merged the two into a fascinating article. And so I would invite you to read that article and, and be sure to share that article. So so we have all of this going on, uh, you know, so it, it, it's just it's just it's it's a lot going on. But back to the trip and I'm going to finish up with the trip. We're going to do an, more an, an extended program, you know, sometime in the near future about the trip. Okay. Uh, but we, uh, from York, uh, we went to the, uh, birthplace of, uh, William Shakespeare. And from there we went to London or at, you know, more accurately Londonistan. Okay. And so, you know, London started out as Londonium settled by the Romans in 43 AD. And you would think that Londoners would, would get it by now that all the different, uh, ethnic groups that have come through there and, and have remade and changed and challenged and toppled and destroyed and rebuilt all this history that I, I viewed uh, in this entire trip. OK, and so history repeats itself. OK, to me, it looked like Londonistan. All right. And so but then anyway, that's enough of of the uh, of the trip. OK, that's enough of that. Uh, I do want to share uh yesterday i attended the funeral the homegoing service of a truly truly great woman okay and this i'm going to share with you the power of a great teacher okay and people you know i talk about not just biblical issues but governmental issues and so my introduction to government came from my high school government teacher, Linda Brown Young. Okay. Now I was educated in Charles City County, Virginia, and I was I was actually in the class of nineteen seventy nine, but I graduated in nineteen seventy eight. Okay. Um uh, I just I fell in love with the idea of being a member of the Marine Corps, so <laughs> I I arranged to graduate early, and my plan was I was going to go into the Marine Corps. And uh, but you know that didn't happen. I had a football injury, um, and so I was unable to go into the Corps. So I instead I, I went to college. But as a part of that deal of graduating one year early with the with the class of seventy eight, I had to take uh, English eleven and twelve the same year. In my history in government, I had to take the same year. So I was blessed to sit in the class of Linda Brown Young twice a day, twice a day, okay? And this, I mean, I loved my teachers, okay? Well, most of them, okay? <laughs> but I'm mean, actually, I would say nine out of ten, okay? I, I really, really did love and respect my teachers. But Mrs. Young was 
far and above number one. And and from what I've heard from many people, and I'd heard this for many years also, not just upon her passing, okay, but for many years people would agree with me that she was their favorite teacher. She was certainly my favorite teacher. And, I, you know, I was blessed to have some really, really great teachers that not only were they talented, but they showed an interest in me and, and, and other students as, as individuals. And certainly Mrs. Young was like that. Uh, tough, stern, f- had full and complete command of her classroom, okay? Without a doubt, full and complete command. But the velvet, the velvet fist, the velvet glove, okay, uh, kind and you know, she would come in, you know, all right, class, we're going to have a pop quiz here, uh, you know, and then she started, you know, get, get your writing material out. And she started counting, 1,001, 1,002, because she was only going to give you a few seconds to get it together. And if you didn't have it together, okay, and she started pointing at you, zero, 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 okay. <laughs> but um, just uh, a truly wonderful woman. And so, you know, and I learned government from her, uh, you know, I learned uh, history from her. Uh, it was just, and her enthusiasm infused me. And that is the beginning of the love affair of your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, with the workings of government. And uh, we're going to take our first break, folks, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the program, folks. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. I am coming right back at you here, and uh, it's a Martin Luther King weekend. And uh, look, I'm going to share a little bit with you about an article that I wrote. I think I wrote this article three years ago, all right? And the title of the article is When Anniversaries Collide. And I want you guys to, to Google that and, and read it on your own. I'm not going to read the entire article. I do have it pulled up in front of me, and I'm going to share some some portions of the article with you. But the two anniversaries that are colliding here in, in my article uh, would be the anniversary of the famous letter by French writer Emile Zola. And the title of his article was Jacques, okay, 122 years ago is when that 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 uh, it was a letter that he wrote to a newspaper, okay, where he was accusing uh, the French president of uh, anti-Semitism in the uh, charging and convicting of a French army staff officer, Alfred Dreyfus. And many of you may have heard of the Dreyfus affair. And, uh, and the charge was espionage. It was trumped up just like they're trumping up phony charges on Trump, okay, and it carried a life sentence on the infamous South American penal colony, Devil's Island, okay? And so ever since then, even in English-speaking nations like ours, j'accuse, which is French for I accuse, has become synonymous with expressing uh, a, a, a severe outrage and accusation against powerful people who misuse their power. Okay, and so and and of course, the other anniversary that collides is the anniversary of the birth of uh, Dr. King, 
uh, January 15th, 1929. So that was 91 years ago. Something to think about. You know, Dr. King could very well still be with us. It, he he would be 91 years old, okay? Um, very, very young. I mean, 39 years old when he was, when, when he was cut down, okay? And so, uh, you know, and the thing about Dr. King is that the 39-year-old Dr. King will be forever cemented in our hearts and minds, okay? And you think about how many of these jokers now uh, that are old and they're living off of the fame of their youth and they're nothing like what they were when they were young. They've become a part of the system. They've become the establishment, the same establishment that they fought against. That can never happen to Dr. King. You, you can never... You could you never you could never have, you know, Dr. King go along with that. Okay. And so in that regard, it's it's somewhat of a blessing that we have uh forever uh Dr. King to to talk about, to extol his virtues and and, and to and to remember what he fought for. Okay. But see what's gonna happen Monday, the official um Dr. King holiday is you're going to have a bunch of poverty pimp Negro preachers, a bunch of poverty pimp Negro politicians. I think I got that a little bit wrong. It's uh, it's 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 poverty pimp Negro politicians, but it's pulpit pimp Negro preachers. <laughs> so, but you're going to have a whole lot of that going on Monday, and they're going to all sing the praises. Of Dr. King. And because also on Monday in in my home state of Virginia, in which is right where I am, I'm I'm like two well, maybe not. I'm about four or five miles from the, the Capitol, as I sit right now behind this microphone in 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 Richmond. And so it will be lobby day also. And because the Second Amendment is under threat. This this will be, you know, lobby day is to lobby the legislators on what, you know, whatever bill you want them to put forward or whatever bill you want them to oppose. That's the purpose of lobby day. But it's going to be cast as, you know, look at all those evil white Republicans that that hate black people. They hate brown people. They hate children. They hate women. They hate clean air and they hate clean water. And these lying preachers, they're going to say this from the pulpit of the churches that belong to God Almighty. They don't belong to them. That is what they're going to do. And I'm telling you ahead of time, they're going to, most of you are going to be hearing this early Sunday morning. And so a lot of them, they're going to be saying this later Sunday from their pulpits, and they're certainly going to be saying it Monday at the many speeches that they're going to give allegedly to honor Dr. King. Dr. King was a a 120% advocate of the Second Amendment. Dr. King's home was locked and loaded. Do you hear me? Locked and loaded. Because Dr. King, like all of the civil rights leaders of his era, they knew that gun laws were invented by Democrats to prevent the newly freed slaves from arming themselves to protect themselves against the Democrat mobs and the Democrat military wing known as the Ku Klux Klan. That's what the the gun laws were for. 
The gun laws were not about safety. It was about making sure that, okay, you know, Republican Abraham Lincoln may have freed you all, but we're going to make sure that you're subjugated under our Democrat boot. And so to the and, and the NRA was started by former military officers, officers, union and Confederate. That knew that these newly freed slaves needed to be able to defend themselves because they could not depend on the government to do it. This is this is the really real deal of that. But now. Today, Democrat Governor Ralph Northam, that same joker that talks about infanticide, aborticide, war blackface, okay? His excuse was, oh, I was pretending to be Michael Jackson. I was dancing, you know, in, in, with, a, with a wig, an Afro wig, and some shoe polish on his face. I mean, these people, they're despicable. They're despicable. Neoliberals. Everything they do that's evil and wicked, they lie and say, we're doing it because we love black people, okay? A little joker up in Canada, blackface, you know, he's always going to some, some, uh, some, some, I don't know, a dance or a, a costume party, but he can't go as a white character. He has to go as a black character and has to put shoe polish on. Same thing with Mark Herring the um, attorney general of, of Virginia, okay? He wanted to be Curtis Blow in a dance con- contest. Shoe polish, okay? But the Republicans are supposedly the racists, and it's the Republicans that said, okay, you newly freed slaves. Well, the Republicans gave s- slaves freedom. Then the Republicans said, you guys need to be able to defend yourselves. You need guns. And it's the Democrats that wanted to disarm legal law-abiding blacks from being able to defend themselves against the Ku Klux Klan. And Dr. King knew that. So Dr. King's home was like an arsenal, just like the people that are going to show up on Lobby Day Monday. But I have a Bible verse for my friends that are going to show up. And I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there, okay? I'm going to be there. And this is from the book of Luke, chapter 22. And it's in the juxtaposition of this I find very, very interesting, okay? Because what you have is it's placed right after the denial of Peter and right before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ prays, goes off alone and prays, Lord, please remove this cup from me. The human side of him did not want to go and do the sacrifice that the divine side of him infused in him. He was born for that purpose. He was born for that purpose. But right there in the middle of that were these verses, okay? And Jesus said unto them, when I sent you without purse, and scrip and shoes did you lack anything and they said we lacked nothing then jesus said unto them but now you have a purse let him take it and likewise his scrip and he that has no sword okay now today that would be he that has no gun let him sell his garment 
and buy one. For I say unto you that this is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. And they said to him, Lord, behold, we already have two swords. And Jesus said to them, two is enough. So I say to my friends who are going to show up, if our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said two swords are enough, I think 100,000 people showing up, and I'm going to be there, but I'm not bringing my gun. I'm going to bring my heart, my mind, my soul, and I'm bringing Daniel with the cameras, okay? (laughs) So think about that, folks. We're going to take our bottom-of-the-hour break. We will be right back. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Welcome back to the program, America. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig. I am coming right back at you here. Now, you just heard our giving ad there during the uh, commercial break. And uh, my prayer is that you would uh, see some value in the things that your friendly neighborhood hatchet man. A brother Craig has to share. I try as much as I can. And, and now in my humanity, I know I don't do it perfectly, but I really, really do try really, really hard to be consistent with the word of God. Okay. And that's number one. I talk often about the seven C's of a successful society. And number one of those seven C's is Christian faith, because without Christian faith, you cannot even have the other six. You know, conservative values, constitutional limits, capitalistic opportunity, and on and on. You need to go to the website and just click on the seven C's uh, of a successful society. And the name of the website is thereallyrealdeal.com. Five words, thereallyrealdeal.com. Check it out. Uh, And, you know, in regards to the giving ad, uh, it, it It's a huge cost for us to be on these radio stations, okay? We're not on little, small, played-out radio stations. We're on the 50,000-watt voice of Virginia, WRVA. We're on the 50,000-watt voice of Arizona in, in Phoenix, Independent Talk, KFNX. And uh, we are on the, uh, the, the, the voice of Lynchburg, WLVA, okay? Uh, right out there at Lib- near near Liberty University, so there's there's a tremendous cost to be able to, and look, and that's just r- cost radio costs. There are many many other costs, okay, uh, associated with being able to share this truth. And so, and I ask for your help, help me be and to maintain being the watchman on the wall that I am, okay. And so, and I give all. Praise and credit to my heavenly father uh, and, and, of course, Mrs. Hatchet. OK, <laughs> anyway, now back to, you know, what we're talking about. And again, and if you're just joining us, the program, we're, we're dealing with uh, two issues that are coming up on Monday. It's Lobby Day in Richmond, Virginia. And this is something that the entire nation has its eyes on because, you know, in 
Virginia, the Democrats took over. They have all three branches of state government now. They have the uh, the uh, the lower branch, the um, the the House of Delegates. They have the, the the upper chamber, the Senate, and of course they have the executive, the governor. Okay, Governor Ralph Northam. And as a matter of fact, right where we're going to have, and they're expecting a hundred thousand people. Uh, you know, there were only 2000 when I spoke there, when uh, Governor Ralph Northam spoke in favor of infanticide and aborticide. And, uh, you know, and I gave the keynote address that day, about 15 of us spoke and that all of them were excellent. And, it, you know, it was my honor to, to be the final speaker that day. And as a matter of fact, that speech is on my website, too, and it's titled Nine Minutes of Truth in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, but this same Dr. Northam that thinks it's okay to kill babies, to kill infants, you know, uh, even after the baby's born, to say, well, we're going to make the baby comfortable while the doctor has a conversation. We're going to determine, you know, whether or not we're going to let this baby live. All right. That, and this is, he's a doctor now. He's not just a governor, he's a pediatrician. He's not just a doctor. Okay. All right. He's a pediatrician, all right? So for him to do that, and now all of a sudden he pretends he's so concerned about human life. He's so concerned that he has to make a law by executive order banning guns from this rally. But as I said in my opening, my prayer is that my Republican conservative Christian friends do not fall into the trap of thinking that every just because you can do something does not mean that you should do something. Everyone does not need to show up open carry with his gun strapped across his back or on his hip. Everyone doesn't need that. And we already know that we are the peaceful ones in this mix. We're always on the right side, our side, you know, the Revolutionary War. We were on the side of freedom, and the the British were on the side of the government heavy boot. Uh, Four generations later, we Republicans were on the side of freedom for slaves, and the Democrats were on the side of continued slavery. All right? Again, four generations later, Okay, you had this same issue of freedom and liberty. Okay, this time it took on a worldwide dimension with uh, Hitler, Hirohito, and Mussolini. You know, Nazis, the uh, Imperial Japanese, and the uh, fascist Italians. Okay, but the dynamic never changes. The players may change, the time changes, but the the timing is always four generations later. And guess what, folks? We are now exactly four generations after World War II. Exactly. So the dynamic is the same. It's just like the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and World War II. It is no different. The forces of freedom and tyranny are at each other again. Okay? Now, in the previous three, the forces of freedom came out victorious. Now, what's going to happen this time? About eight years ago, I did a six-week television series on Comcast titled America's Next Great Crisis, where I predicted these things, okay? And uh, and listen, I don't claim to be a genius. I just I listen to people who are genius, okay? 
And so and I basically uh, listened to uh, Neil Howe, who he and his uh, writing partner wrote a book called The Fourth Turning. Uh, actually, they've written eight books. I read seven of them. They interviewed um, Neil Howe twice. I interviewed him on the radio program, and I interviewed him for that six-week television series. And and so I I just predicted this, and it's very predictable. It's it's not rocket science, okay? But I predicted that blood would flow. Now, the Democrats engineered this in Charlottesville, and they want to act like oh, some conservative group showed up and and committed violence. Let me tell you, folks, there were over one thousand government employee armed men in Charlottesville that day. When you look at the state police, the National Guard, the Charlottesville City Police, okay, the first responders, the state of Virginia had over 1,000 people. And this little small group so-called put out a national call for white supremacists. The whole thing was a setup. And from the whole United States of America, 320 million people, about 200 of these backwoods uh, brother cousins showed up. And the one guy that drove a car, and I, and I think what happened was he was under assault and his, his poor little mind just snapped and he got in his car trying to get away and put it in the wrong gear, drove, hit another car, and pushed that car into this unfortunate young lady that got killed. Okay, but it's not like he just, oh, I just, I want to kill me some people. It didn't happen that way. The the government of Virginia purposely took these Antifa thugs, which is the modern brown shirts. They are the modern Ku Klux Klan. Antifa, Black Lives Matter. They, They used to call themselves something about Wall Street. I mean, it's the same thing. A bunch of, you know, a bunch of maggot infested, you know, former college kids who are losers, they don't have anything else to do but to run around and complain about people that go to work every day and make money and and, 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 and make the economy work, okay? That's all they have to do. And so the government funneled these people together rather than keeping them apart because what the Democrats wanted in Charlottesville is exactly what they got in Charlottesville. Because the protesters and the government employees far outnumbered the people that were over there protesting about some statues being taken down. Far outnumbered them. So is this Charlottesville 2.0? Let's look at it. They want to build fencing around the area. They've never done that before. People are supposed to be able to come to the seat of government on lobby day or any day to lobby, I mean, the first. this is a First Amendment guarantee. Clause number six of the six clauses in the First Amendment, okay, you have the right to petition your government. And remember now, I am founder and president of the First Amendment, Inc. I know what I'm talking about. The First Amendment is much deeper and broader than people think. It's not just free speech. It encompasses almost everything you can think of. You know, the first two are about your belief, that you can believe in God, you cannot believe in God. The second two are what you can say. You can say it individually, you can say it corporately. The final two are what you can do. 
okay? You can join together and unite with others to do things corporately. And you with and another thing you can do is you can petition your government in advance or post. All right, so it, it encompasses everything. And so now all of a sudden, Governor Ralph Northam wants to put a fence up and he wants to tell people you cannot exercise your Second Amendment right. But my prayer is that people will just, you know, let that go for another day. And I know, and again, I'm going to repeat myself here. We have the right to do that, but we should recognize, just like a mouse has a right to eat cheese. But if the cheese is in a thing called a trap, then the mouse is going to get his neck broken. And so you have Democrat Governor Ralph Northam, blackface, I mean, Lieutenant Governor uh, credibly accused of rape by very articulate, intelligent, and dignified women. I mean, these are the, the three of them at the top of Virginia government are all three are reprobates. We're supposed to believe that they have the interest of the safety of their political opponents. That's their interest. Or is their interest to set a trap for their political opponents, knowing that there will be violence or hoping that there will be violence? Because if there is violence, who's going to get the blame in the media? It's going to be us. And we are the ones that have a history of being nonviolent in the spirit of the late great reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And when we come back uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to get a little more on Dr. King and I'm going to tie the two together. We'll be right back. Back to the program, folks, your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, uh, coming back to America here. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the the big dog for talk in these United States of America. And uh, the only reason I'm the big dog is that I bring it and sling it. The truth is my hatchet, folks. And I'm trying to use the word of God and uh, history and just things that are real. And this issue with um, Martin Luther King's a birth date celebration, and Lobby Day being on the same day, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to repeat that uh, what you're going to have is a lot of folks uh, hopping on the uh, Martin Luther King bandwagon as they do every year. And these people, they don't stand for anything that Dr. King stood for, okay, because the great civil rights leaders in the past didn't whine and beg for free stuff. They All they wanted was freedom, okay? And so when the Democrats had physical slaves, they were giving you a whole lot of free stuff, okay? You had a free a free shed to live in, a, like, like a little hut, okay, with a dirt floor. You had free clothing, you know, one new outfit per year. You had free shoes. Maybe every two or three years after you'd worn them out, your owner would get you a new pair of shoes. You had free health care. You know, when the veterinarian came by, to look at the cow and the horse, he looked in on you. You had free food. Of course, you couldn't eat high on the hog. You had to eat low on the hog. That's where the phrase eating high on the hog came from. 
because, see, the slave had to eat the feet, the intestines, the tail. Like when you go hunting and you kill a deer, you cut him open. And that, that, you let that lay on the ground, the intestines, you know, the feet. Who, what, what can you do with that? But they give that to the slave, the intestine, and you had to wash the feces out of it. And then cook it. And it still stinks after it gets washed. And so you didn't eat how in the hog, but you did eat. So you got free food. EBT card, courtesy Democrat Party of America. So you had free everything except free dumb. These are the same Democrats that today they say with their lips They never say it with their actions, but they say with their lips that what they do is out of love and concern for their fellow men. Now, all of a sudden, they're concerned about us. We're the ones that we vote against them. We speak against them. I shall not speak against them. You know, I speak against them the way my big brother Jesus Christ spoke against the leadership of his day. He said, ye are of your father the devil. In the lusts of your father, ye shall do. He was a liar from the beginning and a murderer and abode not in truth. So when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh his own, for he is the father of lies. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And I speak the words of Jesus Christ against these people this day. But most preachers on Sunday morning, they're not going to bring it like that. They're going to try to please everybody. Imagine if the word of God was written in such a way to try to please everybody. Not possible. Not possible. There are two sides. The prophet Elijah told the people of his day, choose ye this day whom you will serve. If the God of our fathers is the one true and living God, then serve him. And if Baal be God, serve Baal. In other words, make a decision and stand by your decision. I've made my decision. What about you? And I wonder how many Democrats are out there under the sound of my voice this day. Think about what your party represents. Planned Parenthood was founded as the Negro Project. Margaret Sanger was a known eugenicist. She is quoted, credibly quoted, as saying black people are human weeds that need to be exterminated. And many eugenicists in the eugenicist movement agreed with her. It was eugenicists in America that taught Adolf Hitler the final solution. You got to kill these people. Don't let them breed. Don't let them intermix. Create a pure race, a pure society. Only the elite people should have a right to procreate. 
And this is the position of the Democrat Party. Now, they won't say this, but this is my analysis. And I give excellent analysis. I stack my analysis up against anyone in these United States of America and anyone that any day of the week wants to debate me. I'm free. I'm, I'm, I welcome the opportunity to debate. OK. But these people that will be extolling the peaceful warrior, Dr. King. One of them is the uh, fourth district congressman from the state of Virginia, Donald McEachin. Donald McEachin has stated publicly that the governor of Virginia should empower the National Guard. So soldiers, okay, that are supposedly there to protect us in emergency. He wants to empower soldiers. He wants the governor to activate the National Guard, go around the state of Virginia and do exactly what Adolf Hitler did. Take guns away from law abiding citizens who have committed no crime. Because, you see, the first thing Hitler did was, oh, we're going to have a gun registry. And the Jews and the other citizens, they said, well, well, Hitler only wants a registry. Certainly uh, it won't get any worse than this. So they registered. Then Hitler said, we're going to confiscate the guns. And the Jews and the other citizens, they said, well, We can certainly we can give our guns up. It won't get any worse than this, because once you've registered, now they know who has a gun. They know whose house to come to. And they took the guns. And then they started separating you into a ghetto. And then they started sending you to a concentration camp. And then they offered you a shower. But rather than water come out of the shower, Poison gas came out of the shower. Step by step by step by step. These people are evil, wicked, and demonic. And I'm willing to say it. And I don't care what pulpit these preachers are preaching from on Sunday or what uh, gathering they speak at on Monday trying to claim the mantle of the late great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., in the spirit of Emile Zola, I say, j'accuse. I accuse you people of being liars, not from the periphery of hell, but from the very pit of hell. I accuse you people when you set up Charlottesville, it was planned from the beginning to make the two sides clash, and you were hoping that there would be shed blood. I accuse you people of setting a similar trap for Monday on Lobby Day. They're hoping that some crazy person is going to show up with a water pistol or a real gun and that they're going to pull it and that one of our people will respond. This is a trap. My prayer is that we do not fall for the trap. That's my prayer, folks. And I pray that the Lord is with us, not just on Martin Luther King Day, not just on Lobby Day, but I pray that the Lord give us wisdom. I pray that the Lord give us patience. I pray that the spirit of discernment would descend upon people to make it easy for people to ascertain You know, just like Jesus said, ye are of your father, the devil, and he called them liars. 
I pray that people would not be offended by that because Jesus also said many would be offended by the truth. And I pray that people would put aside their worldly notions of being offended or being fair and would focus instead on the holy word of almighty God and would allow the Holy Spirit into their souls that they would have the spirit of discernment to know what to do, when to do it, what to say, when to say it, what not to say, and what not to do. And I pray further that the Lord would bless you and keep you, that the Lord would make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, and that the Lord would lift his countenance up upon you and give you peace. On this day and every day, God bless you out there, folks. We're going to see you. Many of you, I will see you tomorrow at Lobby Day in spite of the potential for danger. Your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, will be there. God bless you, America. We're going to see you next week. Same hatchet time. Same hatchet station.